Welcome to the Frontier Psychiatrist Podcast. I'm your host, Owen Scott Muir, MD. Nothing particularly significant or important. It wasn't uh, terribly dramatic. That boy needs therapy. That boy needs therapy. Lying down on the couch. That's crazy when we've got effective interventions at our disposal. What does that mean? Large effect sizes, empirical questions answered left and right. A lot of the psychedelics became illegal. A lot of the psychedelics became illegal. Transcranial magnetic stimulation. Life is rubbish. For all of us. Welcome to the show. The frontier psychiatrist. Let's go. That boy needs therapy. That boy needs therapy. All that's going on here is that these people do not have a language for talking about their thoughts and their feelings. And as soon as they start talking about their thoughts and their feelings, they don't have to do crazy things. They don't have to do crazy things. Hi there. Welcome to episode two of Remotely Possible. This week's theme is, uh, what is coming? This is a show about uncertainty, anxiety, and existential despair. And very little has done that so effectively to so many people than COVID-19 is doing right now. Uh, The bar is closed. Uh, Actually, I've had the highest number of calls being complained about bars being closed. I don't know if that is statistically representative of anything, but that's just anecdotal. That was Governor Cuomo announcing that he'd shut down basically everything, and people were most upset about the bars. And I'm using my indoor calm voice because, man, this is freaking people out. And it includes me sometimes. You can hear the helicopters overhead. You can hear the birds chirping, which is really incongruous. Things are changing, birds. Aren't you paying attention? It's a pandemic. Well, it's remotely possible. The podcast about uncertainty, anxiety, and existential despair. When we started out, We didn't actually plan to make a podcast about COVID-19, but we quickly recognized how weird this was. And uh, that's what's happening. That's what the show's about. One of the most strange things is hearing a politician actually take accountability for anything, but Governor Cuomo just did. If you are upset by what we have done, be upset at me. County executive did not do this. The village mayor did not do this. The city mayor did not make these decisions. I made these decisions. These were all state-ordered rules. We take care of people who really need it. And then COVID-19 hit. And suddenly, mental health care services were becoming pretty vital. And yet with social distancing, keeping six feet or more away from other people to prevent droplet spread of an airborne illness, we had to change a lot of how things worked. 
brief explanation. The faster people get sick, the sooner we run out of hospital beds, and the sooner we run out of even more scarce ICU beds. That means more sick people will die. Depending on what we do, the, they are expecting as many as 55,000 to 110,000 hospital beds will be needed at that point. New York has a grand total of 53,000 hospital beds. That, my friends, is the problem that we have been talking about since we began this exercise. You take the 55,000 to 110,000 hospital beds, you compare it to a capacity of 53,000 beds, and you understand the challenge. This isn't a show about virology. It's a show about feelings and, and fear and uncertainty and how to embrace those things. However, limiting some of that uncertainty may be helpful. So a few facts about coronavirus-19 or COVID-19 are perhaps in order. First off, what does it actually feel like if you get it? Because the common cold is still out there. Influenza is still out there. You can still get those things. How do I know if it's this new, novel, scary, different, weird thing? Well, we have a couple of descriptions of what it's like from people who've talked on the news and other places. And since I like British people, I'm going to use the one with a British accent. Here we go. Yeah, so this particular virus, it happens in different stages, as you said. You get better before you get worse. So in my case, the first stage was... Um, Thanks, British guy. First off, what a head job, right? You get better before you get worse. So everyone who's getting better is just waiting for it to get worse? Ugh. I had the cold. Uh, just a common cold. My nose was stuffy. I had ear problems, sinus problems, that sort of thing. But then you get better before you get worse. So I was getting better. And at the risk of sensationalizing things further, Sky News kept going. And that's when I got hit with the flu. Now, I've had the flu half a dozen times, and this was probably the worst I've felt with that. It really was quite bad. Now, as an actual doctor, I'm going to correct something. He didn't have a cold. He had COVID-19. So when he says, I had a cold, and you think, well, I have a cold, those are different things. This is the kind of time where taking the curious, not knowing stance of mentalizing can really help. And you can think, well, maybe I have a cold, or maybe I have something else. So you sell caviar. We do. Yeah, here at How, How's the coronavirus thing impacting you here? It's funny because before before this week, it was really slow, really slow, slowing down work. But this week has been a turn up in volume. Uh, we have a lot of like phone orders coming in. Instead of people coming in and walking in now, everyone wants to just phone in and have it delivered to them. Okay. Is it like blowing up or? No, not really. It's more consistent though. Definitely consistent. More consistent. So people are going to stay in and have a little caviar while the storm passes. Like <laughs> exactly. It's exactly okay. what's happening. It seems like everyone's like, well, since the world's ending, let's celebrate with some caviar. Is, is any of it like, are they getting more of the good stuff or are they just like getting massive amounts of like no, caviar getting, every night? They're getting the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. it's good for, that's good for business, but like, you know, it's just.
it seems like the coverage is kind of designed to have us absolutely lose our minds. But then again, this is scary stuff. Okay, calming down. Let's see what Governor Cuomo has to say again. There is a curve. Everyone's talked about the curve. Everyone's talked about the height and the speed of the curve and flattening the curve. I've said that curve uh, is going to turn into a wave and the wave is going to crash on the hospital system. Okay, maybe I should just take a walk. The streets are empty. Close to it. It's the 13th of March in 2020, and it looks like people are taking their social distance from each other pretty seriously here in the heart of New York City. What role do we have as mental health professionals in managing this outbreak? Wait, pause, pause. I need to... It's possible. Wait, wait. We can cut and just delete pause it. I need, to, I need to gather my thoughts. Okay, gather your thoughts. <laughs> we have a tremendous role to play, a crucial central role, in fact, because one of the most notable things about dealing with this is the uncertainty as well as the disruptions to everything we held dear, basically. As many as 18,000 to 30,000, 37,000 ICU beds, okay? An ICU bed is different than a hospital bed. An ICU bed has additional equipment, most notably ventilators. Yeah, so what's happening at hospitals across the country is they're looking at where can we actually put people. And some hospitals are looking to put people where psychiatric patients usually go. By that, I mean ECT suites as well as inpatient psychiatric units. So I asked Carlene McMillan, how did she keep from freaking out? I'm a freak of nature in that way. I don't know. Um, internally, I'm freaking out. You probably can't tell. <laughs> no? do I, I don't seem freaked out? How do I seem to you? Maybe I should ask you. Fine. Fine? I seem like my normal self. I mean, how is this different from any other day for you? I mean, a bunch of people could die. That's every day for me. We work with high acuity, high complexity, psychiatric patients in the outpatient setting 365 days a year, quite literally that, including people need us on holidays and everything. Emotionally, this doesn't feel that different from that. I would say what is different is that this affects us personally as well. We're having to think about where our kids are going to be, where we're going to get food, where our medication is going to come from. And our medication comes from Capsule, a delivery pharmacy. They're not a sponsor or anything, but we really like them. That, I think that does, it would you know, be impossible to not say that plays a role in how we're thinking of this. But in terms of the overall kind of crisis mentality, I'd say that's something I built for. Just don't know why, but that's true. So basically what I think I'm learning is surround yourself with unperturbable people, but not closer than six feet. Yeah, I I was talking to somebody the other day about something unrelated and my general tendency to like not freak out until there is a 100% cause to freak out. <laughs> this is my friend Jen. She works in medical informatics. <laughs> and he looked at me and was like, 
ah, let me guess, you're a project manager. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. The expected peak is around 45 days. That can be plus or minus, depending on what we do. That's a problem for us as mental health practitioners. And I feel like since I started recording this two days before I finished recording this, everything I recorded was already out of date. So we're going to have to speed up. We've got to keep people out of hospitals. And we've got to stay calm. I've got to keep people out of hospitals, and I've got to stay calm. Okay. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Owen Scott Muir, MD, and this is the Frontier Psychiatrist Podcast, the companion publication to the thefrontierpsychiatrist.substack.com. Subscribe and rate this as five stars because it helps discovery on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you happen to be listening. Have a great one.